Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk, and welcome to my show today on Election Day, Midterm Election Day 2022. Today on the show, we're going to talk about the People Rise Up, a.k.a. Election Day 2022, a major election integrity alert. I cannot wait to tell you about this. Uh, Israel and Netanyahu, uh, Brazil and Bolsonaro, dangerous free speech on Twitter, and a climate warning. Yes, it's a lot of topics. We are going to get through them all. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Well, obviously, it's uh, maybe the most important day of 2022, the most important day. Uh, today is Election Day. And here in America, we are voting for uh, the entire U.S. Congress. Every year, of course, uh, every two years, the entire Congress is up for re-election. Uh, a significant number of senators voting for them, too, um, as well as many extremely important races that are happening around the country, uh, governor's races, election officials uh, in, um, I mean, excuse me, elected officials in the state house, state senate, uh, all sorts of really, really important local officials. All of it is happening today in America. So it's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. Um, and what I want to talk about in this first five is I know that every time elections happen, uh, people are shocked when they discover that their guy didn't win. I mean, I know that there's a and there's a kind of a eye rolling that goes on when people say, well, so and so didn't win. It was probably fraud. There was probably cheating. And this expression has been used many times. Yeah, there's a lot of election fraud. And then you have, of course, people saying, now, come on. You know, yeah, there's a little bit of cheating every year and a little bit of times that somehow someone who's uh, currently residing in a cemetery somehow got a vote cast in their name. So there's some of that. But the difference between people who recognize that occasional election fraud occurs every time, every election, and those who understand to use the left term, systemic election fraud is really, really important. It's important to understand in America, we still live in the midst of, and we are living right now in 2022 in a country where we are suffering from the impact of systemic election fraud. Not a few cast votes that were mistaken or somehow attributed to the wrong party or the wrong person. I am talking about systemic election fraud. I want to remind you back when um, in 2020, when the uh, election night happened, November 3rd, and there was a, um, you know, all of a sudden, the uh, in key swing states, all of them discovered some reason they had to stop counting votes. And there was a just a massive effort uh, on the part of the media to normalize it, to say, well, you know, I mean, turns out, who knew, water, you know, a pipe burst, which turned out to be a complete false, completely false. Um, and over the overnight, there was, as you, we then came to see, there were truckloads of ballots brought in in some jurisdictions. Uh, and we had the massive fraud of 2020, which was this, was this enormous push for mail-in ballots and a grotesque overreaction to the then concern about COVID. So we just all of what we what happened in 2020, we can look back and say just tremendous pressure and, and tremendous uh, pressure on the election system and tremendous fraud. I want to remind you something about back in 2020. So November 3rd, election night, was, was November 3rd, two years ago, um, you know, Jill and Joe Biden are just strolling around election night. The announcement's been made. Well, you know, we don't have the tallies yet. And he kept saying he felt good about things. In fact, he felt good about things. Uh, for example, when they closed down counting in one of the important states, Pennsylvania, at that time, Biden said he felt good about, he was down when they finished counting the ballots as of that night, down by 700,000 votes. I mean, you don't usually come back from that. 
uh, when they've counted that many votes. But he had a, you know, we even at that time, we already knew the bellwether counties, 18 of 19 of them, uh, which always accurately predict the winner, uh, went for Trump. And yet somehow, I mean, Biden had that saying, feeling good, we really are. I mean, all these statements he made back then, and he's acting the same way now. He's acting like, oh, I feel good about the midterms, as though, you know, anyone paying attention. I was going to spend the show talking a lot about, you know, pulling out all this polling data and running through various, very established and, and you know, respectable polling organizations, all pointing out that the country's livid at the, what is happening to our country, and they can't wait to vote out the left out of power in this country. But I also want to react. So my points in the first five today, uh, one is Joe Biden is acting and, and acting suspiciously, acting bizarrely suspiciously, uh, given all of the um, clear, overwhelming evidence that the country can't wait to rid itself of him and what they're doing. But I also want to point out one thing that's happening. And in the next segment, I'm going to read you some extraordinary information that relates to election fraud as an alert for today. But finishing the first five, I want to hit a couple other points. Among the suspicious things that are occurring um, is how many different um, entities in Washington uh, and around the country, media outlets, newspapers, are starting to spread the terminology, starting to spread the word. Now, look, everybody, let's not get all excited. You know, we aren't going to know the outcome of this election. We're not going to know tonight. Don't think you're going to go to bed tonight knowing who won. They're trying to warn and say, you know, just don't get all wound up about this because it, you, know, you, you can't know. And so the major media outlets, I first will play the statement actually made by Joe Biden's White House press spokesperson. Uh, let her, we have a clip, uh, which is uh, clip two, if you can play her. Here's what she's doing, trying to temper America, say, don't worry, don't worry. And sometimes, you know, they, it takes them a while to count. Here she is. It took two weeks to, to call every state. In modern elections, more and more ballots are being cast in early voting and also by mail. And many states don't start counting those ballots until after the ballots, uh, after, pardon me, after the polls close on November 8th. So you heard the president say this the other night. He has been very clear on this as well. We may not know all the winners of elections for a few days. It takes time to count all legitimate ballots in a legal and orderly manner. That's how, the, that's how this is supposed to work. And it's important for us. Okay. So she's basically giving this warning, you know, uh, don't get all wound up. Don't get concerned. Of course, there's not going to be a result. I mean, people, we have a capacity to count in this country. We actually have multiple organizations and individuals around this country capable of counting election officials who could count the tallies if they wanted to. I, what I am saying is I'm very concerned. What we're watching is the left setting up the next steal because what happened, and they were outraged that it did occur, what happened was America, despite the efforts of the left to try to, try to claim that Biden won by a landslide, 81 million votes, and is the most extraordinary election ever, you know, actually, America figured out very quickly that didn't happen. That didn't happen. And we have now what's been developed over the last almost two-year period, uh, evidence in a multiple a range of ways. We had the 2,000 mules and the mail-in ballots and the drop boxes were just a just a joke, just just a just just a just a hideous representation of America's disrespect for the seriousness of the election process, along with electronic election fraud, been shown over and over. I mean, just massive evidence of election fraud, and yet you have the establishment. Uh, in this country, really pretty much both parties refusing to acknowledge it. So here we are, a uh, midterm election day, vital, vital midterm, because by all intelligent polling, uh, the, re the Republicans are set to take over a significant majority in Congress, in the U.S. House, and in the Senate, and the people are trying to say, we don't like anything the Biden administration is doing. We want our country back. We want our freedom back. I want to tell you, though, some of the other quick headlines. I sent a series of headlines uh, to Emilio, my wonderful producer here, uh, and I, he can just kind of scroll through them, and I'll show you. This is an example of the way in which the... Um, the media is trying to tell us, you know, that we're just don't don't worry about it if you don't have any of the answers. So election results will likely take a few weeks, uh, days or even weeks. Uh, I mean, 
absurd, absurd. Uh, next one, forget election night results. Uh, answers might take days or weeks in some LA races. Next one, uh, this uh, she said, uh, these are all left-wing sources, by the way, all left-wing sources trying to make this point. We won't know all the midterm results on election night. That's normal. Another new normal we're supposed to just accept. I think there's one more. Be patient. The election is probably going to go on for a while. What you have is the left setting up um, the American, oh, uh, here's a breakdown of shifts we have. We might see as votes are counted in six battleground states, but they go on to say, of course, you know, there's just not really any way you're going to find out on election day. So this is a, this is the left. This is the Biden administration, um, along with numerous left-wing news sources, trying to set the table, set the plate to say, look, folks, you know, don't get it silly and absurd to think that America, the most advanced prosperous nation on earth don't think we can actually count votes. We, we can't handle it. And other countries do, states do, but what they're doing is setting you up to say, well, we don't know, have a whole lot more to, uh, you know, be concerned about here. And they, they're, they are literally running the, the 2020 playbook, but in a different way, which I'll explain to you in a moment. Uh, two more things. This is, this is, these are signs of how extremely panicked the left is. The Department of Justice announced yesterday they are sending Election Enforcement Division, their own Election Enforcement Division personnel, to 64 counties in 24 states to ensure, and then the caption this person put in the article was, to ensure correct votes for Biden. But the DOJ is using their power to send, under you know the Equal Voting Rights Act, uh, to send out people to monitor in, in key counties where they are going to try to stick their nose in and tell people uh, what's supposed to be happening. And I will tell you, here in the great state of Texas, uh, Dallas, Harris, and Walker County are the three of the counties where the DOJ is sending out their own mafia into the election uh, places to enforce, to watch over, to monitor elections. Again, a great tribute to Florida uh, Governor DeSantis, who is the only one I've read so far who notified the DOJ, not one of your election monitoring officials will be allowed inside any Florida voting location. All Republican states should be saying the same thing. All governors should be standing up because the federal government, the DOJ, has given us absolutely no reason to trust their credibility, no reason to allow them to monitor our elections. What they're doing is election interference in a different way. And I'll tell you something else. One other sign that the Democrats are just, they are very panicked. They understand they're about to lose. If the elections are fair, they're about to lose massively. So they are doing everything they can, tempering the public, saying, don't, don't get all excited. We won't know election results for days or even weeks. You know, it takes a long time to cheat. I mean, count. And so you have them doing that. You have the DOJ threat sending out what I perceive as their goons to threaten election officials. But the other thing that's happening is the commentary. I mean, MSNBC is one of the, if you want to use the term bellwether, but one of the you know, left-wing news outlets. It's just so absurd. They actually had one of their, uh, their, their presidential historian guest named Michael Beschloss. He actually said on air on MSNBC that if the GOP wins the midterm elections, which of course they're going to unless there's massive cheating, if the GOP wins midterm elections, our children will be arrested and conceivably killed. I mean, trying to frighten people frighten people into voting for who they want to vote for. And, you know, you, you think, well, who in the pot in the world would get swayed by that? Who in the world would say, oh, my gosh, I heard on MSNBC that if the GOP wins the midterm, you know, children will be killed. I, I mean, you, you have to hope that there's, there's no one who would be swayed by that. But trust me, this, these kind of clowns say these kind of things because there are people who are that ignorant. There are people who are waiting to be spoon-fed how they view things, what they should think, what they should do. So this guy in MSNBC, this you know presidential historian, clearly, let me say, that had to be a self-created uh, uh, you know, name for himself. He not, could not be someone of any serious repute. 
but he actually is giving these threatening, ominous six days from now, six nights from now, we'll be discussing violence all over the country. They are trying to scare ignorant voters into thinking somehow if we have a GOP majority that violence will happen all over the country. Actually, it was when you had the Democrat-supported left-wing Marxist organizations, you had both Antifa, Black Lives Matter, engaged in massive violence all over America, all of 2020. That was the Democrats. You know, note to self here, guy. That was the Democrats. That was the left-wing America. And as I point out in the show, both organizations funded ultimately by the Chinese Communist Party. So we are watching on this day, the Democrats are beginning to run the playbook, the whole, you know, headlines talking about, don't worry, you won't know for days, the DOJ sending out their goons to threaten the election officials uh, who don't really want to have to deal, deal with these people at all. Um, and actually, I really, really wish um, there were more... Um, uh, there were more governors, as brave as Governor DeSantis, just saying, your election officials, by the way, uh, you know, DOJ, Merrick Garland, they can't come inside our election uh, locations. I mean, that should be the case. You don't need federal agents inside election centers. You don't need them at all. They're there to intimidate. So I'm closing my first five. I will say I'm going to turn to something is truly extraordinary I'm going to read to you in a moment. Uh, but I'll close the first five by saying this. Elections are the only way we the people are we the sovereign. Amer in America, we the people are the actual sovereign. Like the king used to be the sovereign on, when we had a monarchy, when England had a monarchy. That's what we the people are in the American system. We're supposed to be the sovereign, the rulers. And if we can't have fair elections, then we're watching a just a, a, a destruction of America, unlike any, I mean, we might as well be giving in to the Chinese communist physical army invading. We might as well be giving in to some other uh, horrible left-wing communist government invasion of America. It's the same thing if we can't in America vote and change our elected officials. Leftists in this world, ranging all the way from the leftists who've been responsible, the socialists and communists who've been responsible for the death of millions and millions and millions of people. They actually think it is in the DNA of a leftist. We are entitled to rule. We're entitled to be in charge. And somehow or other, we're going to be in charge. And you, the people, the peasants, the masses, you are going to sit down and take it. You're going to go the way we want things to go. You're going to, we're going to run things, and you're going to say, okay. This is how leftists think. Leftists never want free elections. They don't want fair elections. They don't want to tell you what they're running on, what they're going to do when they become Come, when they get into power, because if they ever did that, the American people would say, no, I stand by what I've told you before. The vast majority of the American people want nothing to do with what the Biden administration is doing. They want nothing to do with the radical left agenda, the globalist agenda, the abandoning of America's sovereignty, the abandoning of our border, the growing socialist, communist mindset that has completely taken over today's Democrat Party. The American people want nothing to do with that. The vast majority want our country back. And if we can have a fair election today, that's exactly what we'll be starting on. One last point. Even if we have fair elections today, even if we have a significant GOP majority in the House and Senate and massive victories around the country, that's just the very beginning. That's just the making the beachhead to use the analogy to war, making the beachhead in the war yet to come, the battle yet to come, to restore America the free. I talked about that a lot yesterday. I'll talk about it more uh, as, as weeks and weeks go on, no matter how these elections come out, because the, the ideological battle for America the free, America the great, America the extraordinary, is mostly an ideological battle, but it has many, many battlefronts. And every single citizen who understands America's unique and extraordinary greatness needs to be in the battle. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, I was alluding to something. I want to tell you that I have um, a friend um, who is an organ, actually heads up an organization, and uh, they're essentially a cyber security um, in election integrity firm. And this firm, so you understand who they are, these are comprised of people with the highest uh, training, the highest levels of clearance, 
they formerly with, with uh, federal agencies, got the highest level of clearance in cybersecurity. They actually understand the issue, and they've been warning about election fraud. Now, we all know what happened in 2020. Election fraud was accomplished in a multitude of ways. We had the mail-in ballot scam with the ballot boxes and, and no one monitoring anything and ballots being counted attributable to nobody. We had the stop the counting in the middle of the night in five of the swing states. And ballots being brought in by the truckload. So people were aware of that. We've had massive evidence produced uh, by Seth Keschel as one example. Oh, who will be on the show on Thursday? Seth Keschel will be in studio on Thursday with us talking about today's election. And also the evidence developed by Dr. Douglas Frank, who is a, you know, an extraordinary and not even a political guy. He's not even political. An extraordinary mathematical genius who is able to study and, and discern the algorithms being used to manipulate votes electronically. He's been advocating all along, we have to get rid of the voting machines. We have to use paper ballots. Well, I will tell you, I voted this morning. And I voted, we, we, my husband and I moved way out of Dallas. We voted in a small town. And literally, you know, other than the ladies trying to get the system going, we had no problem, we got our ballot, or, you know, and got to vote. But I keep seeing stories and stories and stories from around the country about people talking about the systems not working. And I will tell you, at every election cycle, you know, people will say, oh, I had a terrible time because X, Y, Z occurred. And, 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 you know, it's never a perfect system. So the question is, is this a random, one-off, unfortunate mistake that someone is observing and reporting? Or is it systemic? Is what is occurring systemic and part of a broader effort to cheat in the elections? And so this election, this cybersecurity election, I mean, guru-type people uh, discern something today. And I'm going to tell you about that in one minute. But I want to ask one, I want to think about kind of, you know, election bias and how we think. I remember um, back in 1984, and so this was the election when Reagan was running for re-election. Reagan was running and Walter Mondale was running as the Democrat. And I remember a conversation with one of my best friends in life, who happens to be, I mean, known since childhood, who happens to be a mega, mega Dem Democrat. And I was telling her something I was working on, you know, some volunteer thing I was doing with the Reagan administration, a Reagan campaign. And she said to me, I don't know one person who's supporting Ronald Reagan's re-election. And I said, I don't know one person who's supporting Walter Mondale. And I'm telling you that story to say, everybody thinks, well, everybody, you know, you think you're a guy because you like him or you're a woman. I, I, want, I love when women run, you know, because you like them. Everyone likes them. And there is, that, that is a true story. That's a true bias people have. They assume everyone will like, you know, things like they do. But I want to make the point in fairness, because I am, I am sitting here telling you the election of 2020, I have no doubt at all in saying was stolen in a multitude of ways we've demonstrated in the show, we've talked about in the show, we've had experts come and talk about. And, and right now, today, here in the midterm election of 2022, a steal happens to be underway again. It's underway because leftists have power in this country, and the last thing they will ever do is let it go. Last thing they will do unless they are forced. So one the quick thing, just, just as an example, because I don't, I don't have the election bias. I think a lot of people do because I can tell you uh, back when we had Bob Dole was nominated by, by the Republicans in 96. He ran against Bill Clinton. I did not spend one moment thinking Bob Dole would win. I'm not alleging there was election fraud at that time. I, I knew Bob Dole wasn't. You know, he's just kind of a, it was one of those things Republicans do. They say it was his turn. He's, been, he's done his, paid his dues. He's been around forever, blah, blah. So Bob Dole, I, I could have told you when he was nominated that there was no chance he was going to beat uh, Bill Clinton. Um, I also um, remember back when, um, when, back when Obama ran in 2008 and the Republicans nominated uh, John McCain again on the day of the nomination when the, he was decided to be the, the candidate. I was 100% sure there was zero chance, zero chance that someone like John McCain would beat a Barack Obama. He was cool. He was new. People thought he was whatever, you know, kind of slick and cool. They were dying to vote for someone of color. I mean, all sorts of factors. And, you know, I, I'm not going to pile on Bob Dole or John McCain too much, except to say when you nominate people who aren't particularly likable and appealing, you know, you have a lot of voters who just aren't going to vote for them. But that is not what is happening today. 
What's happening today is not a voters choosing between X and Y, is not a presidential election day, it's just midterms. But the midterms are vital because if the Democrats lose the control of the House and the Senate, which I believe, as, I, as sure as I'm sitting here talking to you, if we could have a fair election, the Democrats would lose control of the House and the Senate because America is outraged at everything the Biden administration is doing. But the, still, the temptation to put in the fix, put in the steel, as they did in 2020, is overwhelming because a lot changes if Republicans actually had backbone, a whole other issue, and win these primary, win these elections today, a lot changes in terms of what, what continued destruction Biden can engage in against America. So now I want to read to you uh, what my cyber is very short and extremely important. And you want to be taking notes by the end. There's an important uh, point I want to make in here. This is what my friend is, is uh, who is a mega cyber guru expert. So now we are seeing the new steel scanner tabulators all over the country are failing to operate. So voters have to leave their ballots in a box to be scanned or not by someone else. Later in the day, they bring in a new scanner, tabulator with a new flash drive, almost certainly preloaded with reliable Democrat votes. And those paper ballots left behind uh, to be scanned well, they'll be traded out for ballots with the correct, i.e. Democrat votes. This is so they can survive an audit, which they could not have survived in 2020. So they're getting smarter. We, we started talking about audits. And so now they're saying, well, with this method happening today, according to my friend, uh, will allow uh, this theft to, sur to survive an audit. They'll be traded out for ballots that are, that with the Democrat votes. This is so they can survive an audit, which they could not have survived in 2020. But since they were successful in stopping any true audit of paper versus votes in 2020, it didn't matter. But now they decide they need to be bulletproof. And this is now here where we live in Texas, Dallas, Tarrant, Harris, those three counties. By the way, the same three counties the DOJ is sending their election uh, goons to, so you have Dallas, Tarrant, Harris are all experiencing massive failures as I type this. So is Arizona and New Jersey, et cetera. The machines worked great for two weeks of early voting, but Republicans turn out more on Election Day, and now they suddenly don't work en masse. Well, no one in Dallas wanted, so this is, I'm going to leave out this one part. People can submit reports. You can submit reports of, what, of things that you, you experience in your voting. And here is the website to write down, Election Eyes, E-L-E-C-T-I-O-N-E-Y-E-S, electioneyes.us. Please include, when you make a report at that website at electioneyes.us, please include your contact information, voting location, what wasn't working, how long it hadn't been working, if you know, did they get back? In, excuse me, did they get to check in? Did the voter get to check in, i.e., was the poll book working? And did they get to enter the ballot in the scanner and did it read it? And did it read the vote? Please, if you have people telling you, you know, something really weird happened to my election uh, location today, all over the country, submit this again to electioneyes.us. I truly believe, without any doubt, we are in the midst of watching the effort to steal the 2022 midterms. Now, this I want to get down to very quickly here, talking to you about who in these midterms um, are, you know, what's at stake in the midterms. I mentioned it's the control of the House and Senate, the control of most state and House, state um, House and Senate legislatures in the state, all 50 states, a lot at stake. And the control of the governor's seats in, in numerous states is enormously consequential. And all of this, I'm telling you, the enthusiasm on Election Day is not because, wow, like the Democrats have Barack Obama, he's so cool. John McCain, he's such a, you know, I don't know even what you'd characterize him at. I'm grateful for his service to the country, and he was a terrible candidate, and everybody knew it. And, you know, unfortunately, we could not get our party to recognize you have to nominate someone that can relate to a wide range of people in any case. What were hap was happening in America today, this massive election we're facing, um, it will have tremendous impact on America's future and on the effort on the uh, whether or not the Democrats can continue their march toward America becoming a socialist slash communist nation, which Barack Obama started and Joe Biden is putting forth. 
quickly before our listeners on radio. If you're listening on Brady on radio, you can listen online at americacanwetalk.org. Come back in the next three minutes after your break. We'll be right here talking. So the control of the Senate is huge because the control of the U.S. Senate uh, determines who can be appointed to a variety of positions. It determines appointments to uh, judicial seats, the, all the federal courts, the district and the appellate or circuit court of appeals, the Supreme Court, if they should have an opening. The Senate has massive power in appointments, also have massive power in appointments in all sorts of federal agencies that really, really matter, federal agencies that can make a big, big difference. In, um, in how far and how much the Biden agenda can be pushed forward. The, or I should call it the CCP Biden agenda pushed forward. Uh, and if we have Republican majority who have backbone, which is the second question, uh, we may be able to stop a lot of what the Biden administration is doing. So there are 12 states that kind of really determine whether the, uh, the Senate control can be switched over to Republican. I'll quickly tell you the states, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Nevada, Arizona, Wisconsin, New Hampshire, Ohio, North Carolina, Washington State, Florida, Colorado, and Utah. If all of those, if we can either retain the incumbent Republican or flip out and remove the incumbent Democrat and get a Republican in, that could make an enormous step, enormous step of progress in, in, in putting a roadblock up against this Biden takedown of America, which is really what the Biden administration is doing. The Biden administration is engaged in the communist slash socialist takedown of America, destruction of America at levels just unprecedented. And, you know, I used to, I'll tell you, when I've, I've done this show for ten, almost 10 years, yeah, almost 10 years, and I am very careful in the words I choose. I do not get, I, I don't like shock jock radio. Uh, I don't like the kind of language that sounds, uh, you know, just kind of deliberately melodramatic, overstating a case or something, because I think it detracts from a serious conversation about this country, because we need to be having a very serious conversation about this country. I'm telling you all this to say I am not in the slightest exaggerating what I see to be the problem uh, in this country um, with uh, the ideological political direction the left is taking us. We are not watching a Democrat party that is within the, the proverbial football analogy, within the 40-yard 40 40 lines of a football field. We're not watching the Democrat party act, act like that. The agenda the policies, the executive orders, the direction, everything that's coming out of Washington, coming out of the Democrat side, which is a Marxist party now, is not trending Marxist a little bit. It doesn't have a few members who are members of the Socialist uh, Democrat Socialists of America. It does have that, but it is itself, the agenda itself is Marxist and destructive of America, destructive to America. So um, anyway, the, the uh, power of the Senate would be enormous. Before I... Um, I wanted to mention one thing earlier in the show. I was talking about this whole, how the left, I, in fact, I talked about yesterday too. I talked about how the left, they are, they are so talented in finding and creating slogans. They are the slogan slingers of the century. The left comes up with slogans and they sound appealing and they sound and they do it when they're uh, uh, naming policies. They do it when they're naming organizations. They come up with names that sound like, well, who could be against that? Oh, that sounds great. And so one thing they've started to attack is Christian nationalism. I mentioned that yesterday. I'm going to be talking about that more and more because what the left is doing is trying to villainize people who are conservative and also bring their values, what they believe in, you know, at the core of their being, what they believe in, uh, translated into politics. And this is somehow with leftists, you can be a strident atheist, you can be anti-God, you can be a strident member of any other faith, and the left cheers you on. But if you strongly believe in Christianity, uh, they, they find that deeply offensive. And what the left does with the term Christian nationalism is try to make you you, the average voter, afraid of standing up for your values, afraid of being labeled, afraid of being mocked, and so you just stay silent with what the left would like, nothing more than to silence all conservatives in this country. The Christian nationalism is another, um, another term the left has found, somehow they're, they're um, attracted to it. Another one I wanted to point out, and actually I would, uh, this term, I just saw it just now. I got here today to the studio an hour early to work on some stuff with uh, the business people here. And um, 
I noticed a headline they had on, you know, I think it was ABC or NBC, one of the, you know, left-wing journalistic outlets, and they had the expression election denier, and they actually were talking about counting the number of people running on ballots uh, anywhere in America who are election deniers. And it's really important to understand what the left is doing. They want, they want to create the um, image that anyone who challenges the 2020 elections, which every sane person should, every knowledgeable person does, but they want to make those people not only uh, the subject of their mockery, but anyone it expands beyond that into people who dare to even comment about, you know, I really think we should have voter ID. Oh, you're an election denier. You want voter ID. Why should you get that? or any kind of changes to state laws, the way the left mocks and all the changes the consumers are trying to make to make elections fair and accurate, the left has uh, come up with this term election denier. And I, I think they chose it in part because it kind of sounds the denier word is one that became popular uh, when people were talking about Holocaust deniers. What Holocaust deniers are lunatics and they are wrong and that it is idiotic to deny the Holocaust. But because the Holocaust denier term took hold, I think the left sees this election denier as another way of using denier word um, and to essentially kind of subtly tell you this person's an idiot, this person's stupid, they're ignorant, they're wrong. So the left has latched on to calling people election deniers. And so anyone who dares to question either the existence of certain state laws or urges more state laws uh, is mocked. There was a great little clip, Molly Hemingway, who is just extraordinary. Uh, she's she's uh, with the Federalist, and in the last year or so, she became the uh, chief editor, uh, editor-in-chief at The Federalist. She's brilliant. And this was a quick clip she did regarding the left's use of the term election denier. This is a clip one. Ministered. But if you look at the definition that they're using to describe who's an election denier, they say it includes people who deny the legitimacy of a previous election or people who have problems with unconstitutional changes to election laws or people who want elections to be able to be audited. That is an absurd definition. And by that standard, everybody should fit under it because people should want to have secure elections. But there's also the issue that in 2016, the entire Democrat Party and the entire media complex denied the legitimacy of the winner of that election, Donald Trump. They did it for years. You have people quoted, this includes President Biden, Kamala Harris, Hillary Clinton, Jimmy Carter. I mean, really high-level Democrats who, did, who said that President Trump was an illegitimate president. And you didn't hear them caring about that. They were actually pushing that dangerous and damaging rhetoric for four years. And Stacey Abrams still doesn't think Brian Kemp won in 2018 and things like that as well. Yeah, we can cut her up. You know, one other thing about, um, I, first of all, she's very brilliant. If you don't read The Federalist, it's a great place to get information. Molly Hemingway, editor-in-chief, she, she's just brilliant. The election denier thing, I mean, it's, I really am, have been struck in the last couple of years how effective the left is at conveying uh, attitudes in society to where, you know, you don't want to be called a denier because it makes you sound like an, like a dope like, like someone who's gullible or falsely re repeating things that are false and so people will back off even though they know facts that that they should be denying the integrity of the election they should be speaking up but the left uses that because it is a it's like a psychological operation to make people afraid to speak up to, so you're a, you know, you're a vaccine denier, you're election denier, you're a Christian nationalist. They use labels, and when the left uses labels, the consequence they're fully aware of is people not sure of themselves, people not willing to do their own research, people not on, on top and learning things get shut down. They get silenced. They get afraid to speak up. They get, they get afraid to even say within their families, well, I actually kind of think the election was stolen. I, I mean, they, they are very, very effective at psychological manipulation of the American people. We cannot let them get away with it. So back to where we are very quickly on the, um, the elections coming up. Um, Pennsylvania, huge close race. 
cannot believe it's close. I mean, they're saying it's within one point. Uh, Mehmet Oz is a Republican, and this uh, Fetterman guy, uh, I think it's John Fetterman, yeah, uh, who is the current lieutenant governor, and now they're both vying for the U.S. Senate seat out of Pennsylvania. Uh, Fetterman had a stroke in February, I think, or earlier this year, and and can barely respond to questions. Will say will have to have something spelled out for him, so or typed out for him to understand questions. I mean, I'm very sorry for anyone who's had a stroke, but the Democrats didn't have the um, backbone or integrity to pull him out of the race. And so he's he's not, I mean, he may be slightly more functional than Joe Biden, but he's not anywhere equipped to be one of the 100 members of the United States Senate. Um, just by the way, very exciting, in Wisconsin, which has, you know, a lot of lefties, and it's kind of weird, Wisconsin's a weird state. It has a lot of lefties, University of Wisconsin, you know, very communist uh, university, uh, but they also have a lot of farmland. They have farmers and, and rural areas. Uh, they now have Republicans in the lead for the U.S. Senate race and the gubernatorial races. Ron Johnson, just a great, great senator. I can't even believe he's having to be in a fight, but he is, but he looks like he's going to pull out. Uh, two U.S. House districts in, in Arizona are likely to flip Republican. Um, a huge gubernatorial race uh, in Michigan. Uh, you have Governor Whitmer, the incumbent, who, you know, shut down the state. She, she does everything left-wing you can think of, everything left-wing. And there's a, a beautiful woman running named Tudor Dixon. Her name is T-U-D-O-R, Tudor Dixon. Um, and they are actually statistically tied for this gubernatorial race. Michigan's a place that, because of the, uh, the uh, automobile manufacturers, the unions there, um, has been a strong Democrat, uh, Democrat stronghold. That looks like it may be um, slipping toward Republicans. Um, and you also had, I kept meaning to give credit very quickly to a guy named Mark Victor, who was running as a libertarian uh, Senate candidate in Arizona. And he just, I, I'm, so, I'm so impressed with him because he realized that as a libertarian, he may actually cause a Democrat to win because he was pulling conservative votes away uh, from the Republican running and just said, not doing it. So he dropped out of the race and endorsed the Republican. I, I you know, I have very, very little, uh, we'll talk about this more later as we get on talking about what happened in Israel. I have very little interest, patience, or respect for the idea of third party candidates actually running for office in America. We don't have a system designed to accommodate that. And you end up having, you know, it's, it's what happened in, I won't run through the details, you probably know who I'm talking about, but we had many times where we had Republicans lose because you have someone as a libertarian or third-party candidate, and the fact is, people, it is past time in America to be saying, well, I'm going to support the libertarian because, after all, you know, the Republican, uh, I don't like the color socks he wears, or I don't like whatever you don't like about him. You're either going to have America the free as founded, as intended by the Declaration of the Constitution, or America over the cliff already into the ravine and dustbin of socialism and communism, which is where Obama took us for eight years, where Biden is taking us, where ideologically much of the intelligentsia in America is trying to take us, along with the New World Order people. It, you got to just, everyone's got to understand, if you want America the free, you got to vote for the people who will keep America free. So uh, back to other, uh, another great thing in Minnesota. I will tell you, I have a great fondness. I mentioned the show before for Minnesota and Iowa and Wisconsin because my parents were from there. Um, my dad in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My mom was from Iowa. And we had, and I, they both had huge families and all their siblings had a bunch of kids. So I have tons and tons of cousins pretty much all up in that area. And so we spent all our summers up there growing up. We went to visit all the cousins, Wisconsin, Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota. I, I love that area of the country. It's full of heartland America people. That in, in my family, my grandfather and uncles were Lutheran ministers. You know, it's called a Norwegian Lutheran thing going. And, you know, that's how I see those states. I see them through the eyes of the people I know. You know, heart and soul Americans, hardworking, honest, you know, just, just decent Americans who would never in one million years want to support communism. But those states have had a, a leftist push because of uh, the history of the labor unions. So it's a kind of interesting area of the country uh, they've had and they've now had of course in uh, Minneapolis area 
a large influx of Somali refugees. So they have Ilhan Omar representing a district uh, in uh, Minneapolis. In fact, she's got a challenger, um, a Republican whose name I will think of maybe in a moment, but in any case, a beautiful woman I've had in the show before. Um, and, and I don't, I mean, that district seems kind of doomed to be Democrat. But I'm getting around the point to say, even places where the Democrats thought they had gotten a foothold in establishing left-wing lunacy, which has in, unfortunately been established in many places, you're starting to see hints of sanity returning. For example, in um, Minnesota, Republican Jim Schultz is actually leading uh, for the attorney general race against Keith Ellison. This would be magnificent if that were to happen. Magnificent to get Keith Ellison out of there and get him out of the attorney general seat and get him just out. And so in that, this Minnesota um, attorney general, that'd be an awesome, awesome race. Um, Stacey Abrams, now way, way, way behind in Georgia, apparently down to double digits, uh, being beat by the incumbent governor, Brian Kemp. So Stacey Abrams, another alleged bright light on the left, seeming to go down. And on the Senate races, I'm not going to go through them all, but I will tell you that these are the kind of things, if you get want to get involved somehow in politics, and this is going to be true because every two years, essentially, one-third of the Senate is up for re-election. These are very consequential political races. Very consequential. Consequential to get involved in these races. If there's a primary, figure out who the best pro-America patriot candidate is and help that person. And the same thing in the general. The Senate really determines a lot of the direction of the country. The House does, too, because the House has the purse strings and is massively important to win the House, too. But the Senate could change a lot. Those states I mentioned... Um, oh, by the way, I cannot... Um, one more thing before I get to the Senate very quickly. So in Arizona, Carrie Lake, just she's been on the show before a couple times. She's a, uh, just a stellar GOP candidate for governor of Arizona. And, I mean, she's running against this... I, I can't even describe her with nice words that you should say on air. Katie Hobbs, uh, the, who is a Democrat current Secretary of State running for governor, Katie Hobbs is the one who has allowed and rubber-stamped and okayed all of the election fraud that was exposed in Arizona, can't be bothered, wouldn't debate Carrie Lake, uh, says she can't deal with talking in public for what she believes in. She can't do it. And I'll tell you, this is a sign of many, many people who want political power, they like the idea of being in office and having some title by their name and being known by the honorable, blah, blah, blah. And they may be far less versed than millions of Americans on the issues, far less able to describe the issues, to explain why they stand for this position versus that position. She kind of strikes me that way. I mean, she just doesn't, I, I, she is afraid to debate Carrie Lake. Honestly, most Democrats would be afraid to debate Carrie Lake because she's so articulate. She knows what she thinks. She is fearless. And, and I'm telling you, if they announce tomorrow, wow, who knew Katie Hobbs won? I don't think so. In fact, my earlier announcement, I was telling you my cybersecurity friend, <clears throat> pardon me, sent that uh, information I read to you. Arizona is one place that's having massive, massive issues today. And, and, and Kelly Ward, who's coming on the show two weeks from Thursday. I'm losing track of the days. First Thursday in December, she's coming on, uh, talking about what happened in the Arizona elections. Very, very important to watch Arizona. Um, and I, it's one of the states where the um, left simply believes they can steal, and they could not believe how many uh, Republicans are actually standing up and speaking up and fighting back. Okay, um, so... Arizona governor's race, Michigan governor's race, all these Senate races. I, mean, I guess I'm not going to go through them all, but I really do want to urge you, um, if you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, you can, at our website, on the homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links, read these articles, understand all these people who are running, just, just enormously consequential races. These 12 states could control, uh, determine the control of the Senate, which, can, which determines a lot. Okay, very quickly, I want to run through Israel and Netanyahu and Brazil and Bolsonaro. So in Israel, and you all know, if you listen to my show very often, uh, my husband has an Israeli business partner, and uh, he's been to Israel. And now we're going to do Israel first, Netanyahu, Israel and Netanyahu. Um, he has, Israel, uh, Israel has had 
you know, a um, they're kind of the, the one country in the Middle East that is kind of like America. Israel is a, a democracy. They actually have uh, regular elections. Um, I, I don't know whether they fix those elections over there like people do here, but Israel is more like a modern Western country. They even have in their, the equivalent of our Congress, theirs is called the Knesset. They even have in their Knesset elected Muslims, Palestinians, people who actually don't like the Jewish people and don't like the Jewish state. They are very, very, it's a wonderful country. Um, and in Israel, they've had a, an interesting thing occurring there. Uh, Netanyahu was, was the uh, prime minister for a long time. Um, and then he was out. He apparently lost. <clears throat> and now it has become official. You know, he ran again. They, they had this parliamentary system. So they have many, many political parties. And so even if you win, like the prime minister race, you have to put together a coalition to a governing coalition, and it's going to be made up of people who aren't exactly always on your side, or they're, they're more on your side than somebody else's, but you have to, to have a governing coalition. You have to make buddies with people who aren't in your political party. This is why I really like our two-party system in America. I just think it's, it's, a, it's a huge mistake to push for third-party candidates. In any case, Netanyahu not only won the elections, but he apparently won with 64 seats, meaning that he will have a, a governing coalition within the Knesset and be able to get his policies put forward. Netanyahu is a lot like Trump in that he is a strong pro-Israel. He loves Israel. He stands up for it. He doesn't put up with all the... Uh, the endless argument about shouldn't we just give the Palestinians a little more land and a little more of this and give them this and give them that because he understands the Palestinians are basically committed to the destruction of Israel. He stands up for his country. It's a beautiful thing. Okay, now on to Bolsonaro in Brazil. Um, I got to tell you, so in Brazil, they had their elections two weeks ago now, um, and the incumbent, Bolsonaro, who is, again, kind of like Trump, strong, stands up for his country, loves his country, stands for freedom and free, free market ideas, Bolsonaro allegedly lost this, uh, his race. He ran, he was president, and he ran uh, for re-election, and he allegedly lost to a guy, they, I think they mostly, um, they he had the guy who allegedly won, the president-elect, Luis Inacio Lula da Silva, but they call him Lula. Now, understand this. Number one, the Chinese Communist Party sent congratulations and cheered on the winning of, by this, this alleged winning by Lula. Number two, Chinese Communist Party heavily involved in interfering with America's elections to help the Democrats and in American culture and society to help the left wing. And China's Communist Party is, is yahooing and jumping up and down because this guy Lula allegedly defeated Bolsonaro. And Bolsonaro is the one who, you know, he, he's, a, he's a conservative and he loves his country. So the people of Brazil are having none of it. So there was a quick video I sent you from, uh, Emilio has, I think, yeah. This is what, uh, the, what's happening in the streets of Brazil still today. I'll just tell you, this is the streets of Brazil. The people showing up, you can cut it off now. The people in Brazil are saying, I don't think so. It didn't happen. They know in the same way that in 2020, that the millions of Americans who showed up at Trump rallies, who still go to Trump rallies today, they know that Biden didn't win that election. They know in the same way they know that I'm sitting here talking to you. They're that sure. There's no way that Biden beat uh, Trump and got 81 million votes. The people in Brazil feel the same way. They know Bolsonaro won. They know there was rigging and the Chinese Communist Party again right in the middle of it all. So um, I don't know what's going to happen there, but I will say what you really see and the kind of big picture thing I think we're seeing is that in America, um, people are starting to stand up and realize we're losing our country and there's kind of a, a freedom movement going on around the world. There's an uprising, a, a re-uprising of communism around the world and there's the push of communism and the whole uh, national, you know, the whole World Economic Forum, socialist, communist, uh, you know, world government ideology that's rising up and pushing itself, asserting itself. And there's a freedom movement in this world. And the freedom people, the people who love America, freedom, the promises of our Constitution, the promises of free markets, they, they are rising up also. That is a big international clash. But there are signs that show Brazil, the people are not 
you know, taking it sitting down. People of Israel happily got rid of the, in, the um, interim person and brought back Netanyahu. They want people who stand and are strong. And that was really what I think the voters in America wanted today. Okay, so I have one last little thing. First of all, for our radio listeners, you're about to go off. You are listening to America Can We Talk. Come back to americacanwetalk.org to watch the whole show, hear the whole show, Every single time, love, love, love uh, having you watch the whole show and come to our website to do it, AmericaCanWeTalk.org. Okay, so I realize that um, at this midterm election, this is about House and Senate, this is about state governor's races, it's about state legislatures, but there's also behind it all there is Trump. I mean, Trump isn't on the ballot, but both sides are trying to use Trump. I mean, many of the people winning in their primaries and, and in their, their generals winning in the polling, uh, who looks like they're going to win their seats, uh, sought out and received and are celebrating having Trump's endorsement. And many people on the left are anti-Trump and saying they're, they're really down on him. Well, there was a video done by a woman. So I know Trump isn't on the ballot, but there's a video done which was so hilarious. It was on True Social. And I'm going to ask Amelia to play that for you now. I ain't never heard of him being racist prior to running, the pr running for president. That's just me, though. I mean, because any two ways you look at it, the man won his presidency without the black vote. What he need it for? What he need us for? Tell me what he need me for. He don't need me. But for some reason, he always get up on that stage talking about how low black unemployment is. Because he legitimately cares. You never heard Obama get on stage talking about black unemployment. He couldn't. Because under his first two years with a Democratic Congress, it doubled. Black unemployment under Barack Obama doubled. How many of y'all know that? It doubled. It literally doubled. It went from 8% to 16%. How you get around that no media say nothing about that? But Donald Trump getting it to the lowest it's ever been recorded. Like I said, he don't need us. He does not need the black vote. Okay, you the black vote didn't... right there. <clears throat> she does uh, use a little bit of foul language um, toward the end, but this is brilliant because this is a woman. She's not a political strategist. She's not a campaign employee. She's not a spokesperson for anybody. She's just speaking reality. And she's speaking for many black Americans who feel pressured by the mainstream media and the, the militant mob of the American left, the Twitter mob, to just shut up and pile on Trump. Everyone's supposed to hate Trump. You're supposed to hate Trump. And she's just saying, why, why would I hate Trump? Why, why would I do that? She, she's really, I mean, not, everything she says is exactly right. Okay, I have a few of the quick stories, but I'm about out of time. I just want to mention um, about Twitter. Um, I'm going to talk more about Twitter and Elon Musk taking over Twitter uh, because I think this is just a, it's an astonishing thing to watch. It's really more of a commentary. I want to make my point today is on leftism. What Elon Musk is saying is, I just want a free speech platform. You can have free speech and you can be a leftist or on the right or whatever you are in the center, but you shouldn't be censoring speech. And I saw the story that he was taking down this uh, alleged comedian who's not even remotely funny, Kathy Griffin. He took her Twitter account down. And I first thought, well, wait a minute. I thought he wasn't going to be censoring. He took her Twitter account down because she was uh, pretending to be him. She was committing a fraud. She, she made a Twitter page that looked like she was Elon Musk, puts Musk's face up, and then puts out things that Musk wouldn't say. I mean, she's just, you know, she's lying. She is cheating the system. And so he just said, yeah, you're out of here. You can't be on Twitter. And then she came back and got on Twitter, reactivated her dead mother's account to, to further her assault. But the, so my point is, number one, so far as I know, Musk is not censoring Twitter. But number two is, I want to just remind you again, I talked earlier about the MSNBC reporter just having a meltdown about the idea that maybe Republicans could win the GOP, uh, win the, win the uh, midterms. There was an actual MSNBC host, an actual host, who warned um, back when uh, Elon Musk was just contemplating buying Twitter, when there was just a word that was being considered, that had a meltdown, actually set on air, this MSNBC host said, massive life and global altering consequences for free speech on Twitter will flow. This is MSNB anchor Katie Tour, a meltdown saying, and what she's afraid of is free speech. 
you got to understand this is such a window on leftist thought. They don't think anyone else should be allowed to have a thought, should be able to express themselves, should have freedom of speech, should be able to say anything publicly that they don't like. And she's was outraged because he actually might, you know, if he took over Twitter, which he now has done, you know, he might let people that she doesn't agree with actually have a voice. That's what she is mad about. That and 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 it's still continues today. A lot of famous people, leftists, are getting off of Twitter. It's a cesspool now. All they're really saying is, I only want to be somewhere where I can make my own speech and nobody, no, no one else is allowed to talk. No views that I, I disapprove of can ever be expressed. Leftism is totalitarian. It is tyranny. They, support, they are the censors. They are censors because what they really think is only their views matter and all the peasants and everyone else who disagrees with them should have no right at all to even speak. What they say about Twitter is a reflection of their massive, their broad political views about the world. Leftists think they're the only ones whose policies and views and ideas should be published, should be out there, and everyone else should be silenced because they dare to disagree with them. Okay, I'll just uh, do a one little quick thing on my last topic, and then I will roll to uh, why it matters to you. Uh, I mentioned about um, climate warning. You know, I, all I want to say about it is, at this time, I get so much data, read so much data, so much information, and there's massive information available that, t that tells anyone honest, willing to read the information, willing to look at it, that there is no climate, you know, man-caused, climate change, catastrophic, anything coming. There's, there's no, there is no reason to be alarmed about climate change. There is no reason. Let me say that again. There is no reason to be alarmed about climate change. The left uses climate change, like they used COVID fear, to manipulate ignorant people into submission, to manipulate people into doing whatever it is they want them to do. This is how the left uses climate, it's how they use COVID, it's how they use other issues as well. They use the issues if they can get people afraid, terrified, and just submissive to whatever the left is telling you. We're going to be talking a lot about climate change over the next few weeks and months because it's important to understand that the, the left is now hysterical that people, actually educated, intelligent people, read the data, the climate data that's available. They put it out there for the public. We shared, I think, I, I had a, a clip ready for the show this week. I don't know if I got around to playing it, but there was a great little, little clip with, with data their own data, the government's data, showing that for 65% of the years, for the past 11,000 years, the past 11,000 years, 65% of the time, the CO2 level was higher than it is now. And yet we're being told if we can't give up our cars and give up our fossil fuels and cut back on CO2, the world's going to end, and it's not. CO2 is not dangerous. It's a naturally occurring substance. More on that now. The reason I'm mentioning it to you now is because I do think that as we move forward, the left is desperate in this country to hold on to the power they have. It's why they're trying to steal today's election. And the left is desperate to continue to inflict fear and doubt in the mind, hearts and minds of innocent Americans to, to get what it is they always wanted, which was control over you and your life. So tomorrow, I'll be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock to talk about what we know about the outcome of the elections um, as of the end of today. I'm going to work at one of the election centers um, here in Dallas, um, and I will um, be look forward to talking with you tomorrow about it. And then Thursday on this show, this week on Thursday, we have Seth Keschel joining us, one of the most extraordinary experts on election data and statistics and percentages. I mean, he will have more to share with you on Thursday than any other place you'll read. So do come back tomorrow to talk about what happened today in the elections and come back on Thursday to hear from Seth Keschel. And now I'll tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show talking about the People Rise Up, a.k.a. Election Day. The test of election 2022, the American people get the government they deserve, but not if elections are rigged. MAGA turnout will be enormous. Motivation is off the charts. Strong. Democrat turnout will pale by comparison. Giant enthusiasm gap. Actual leftist communist turnout will be minor. Yet Biden 
sets an expectation of days and weeks to count. Voting machines already having trouble. DOJ sending out teams to 64 counties. Leftist media panicked by hysterical, <clears throat> excuse me, panicked and hysterical over Republican win. Will the deep state allow an honest election? Stay firm and faithful. MAGA will win. And Israel and Netanyahu, <clears throat> an all-out effort to get rid of PM Netanyahu in a previous election, like the all-out effort to get rid of Trump in 2020, gave Israelis a taste of government compromised by leftism. Prime Minister Bennett attempted to maintain coalition with anti-Israel Arabs. Not possible. Israelis turned decisively toward Netanyahu's strong leadership, now a much more conservative and religious majority in government. Reproduction rates, this is actually an interesting insight from my husband's business partner. Reproduction rates are much higher among conservative religious Israelis than among liberals. Those voting demographic trends favor strengthening of conservative majority. Will America follow a pattern similar to the Israelis? Answer, very likely, so long as elections are not rigged. The spiritual awakening to freedom over tyranny is worldwide. And Brazil and Bolsonaro marches and protests of election results in Brazil are ongoing, and they appear to be growing. Results plainly did not square with palpable difference in enthusiasm favoring Bolsonaro. Declared winner is deeply aligned with Xi Jinping and the Chinese Communist Party. Bolsonaro plainly aligned with Brazilian nationalism, populism, and conservative values. The stirring against tyranny, censorship, and globalism is worldwide and growing. This is all to the good. It cannot be stopped. Stay firm and faithful and prayerful. And a dangerous speech on Twitter. Um, I didn't get to all the stories about this, but Elon Musk is turning the leftist world upside down. Free speech is anathema to totalitarians, to a totalitarian. The left's fear of Musk in control of Twitter is at hysterical levels. Suspension of Kathy Griffin, an easy warning shot by, Met, by Musk. Say whatever you want, but don't deceive by falsely impersonating somebody else, which is what she was doing. An $8 a month subscription fee for real users, and weed out because that will weed out the bots, the fake followers, and the bought and paid for blue checks is changing the Twitter model radically toward a real online town square. Active discussion of competing ideas, not echo chamber of shrill, controlled leftism. An era experiencing a rebirth of freedom, a great time to be alive. And on climate warning, the phony construct of climate change alarmism is the last haven of leftism. It is the overwhelming reason for current economic turmoil and inflation. It is perverting energy exploration and distribution in unnatural, non-free market ways may cause the death of millions of people in Europe this winter. We'll be talking more about that. Even after a red wave blowout, the left will try to ride climate change into a new world order, demand behavioral control over billions of people without regard to national sovereignty, without regard to freedom of the individual. Evidence and data debunking climate change alarmism is abundant. Will enough people wake up and force a course correction? And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America Can We Talk. Truth about America. Can you hear us now?